Salvation has come. Simeon said so, but now how do we live in that salvation in our today? So help us understand, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. It's Christmas time, so many of you have one of these. That, okay? It's a nativity scene. Now, do you know the, what, what's wrong with this nativity scene? Do you know? Anybody know what's wrong with it? What is wrong? There's wise men in it. Go to the next slide, Vern. Got to get rid of these guys. What are they doing here? They, they don't show up in Bethlehem for six to 24 months after, after the, the birth of Jesus. You know who we should put in there instead? Actually, here, this next picture, this is, this is our house. There's a, you see, see up there, up on that shelf? That's where we keep our wise men uh, when we set up for Christmas because they're a long way away from the manger. We keep them in the house because they're in the story, but they're not anywhere near the manger. So what we should have perhaps instead is the next picture over here on the right, Simeon and Anna. Anybody have a Simeon and Anna at your, at your manger scene? Um, probably not. I'm, I'm not, no, I'm not, uh, it, it might go badly, in fact, if uh, next, you know, they, the other guys might not understand if you tried to stick them in there, but... Um, this is a true story. I was, I was preaching on this very topic a year ago at Christ Greenfield Lutheran Church, and I talked about the fact we just don't have enough Simeon and Anna swag in our Christmas decorations. We're just not, we, the wise men get all the credit, but Simeon and Anna are these really incredible godly people. So I said, someone is going to make a killing if they market Simeon and Anna stuff. Who, who's with me? So the next slide shows this picture this woman who's a sculptor in our church made this for me. They're about so big. And so now I have a Simeon and Anna set with Joseph and Mary for holiday decorations. So if anybody wants to order one, let me know, because I think they're fantastic. Simeon and Anna, do you even know? That, well, we just read the story, so I know that you do know the story. Um, but let's take a look at it more closely, because, well, first of all, it's, it's, it's worth a look, and it's part of the Christmas season. Uh, but I, I do think that in Simeon and Anna, these wonderful godly saints, we see something in them that will help us know how to respond now to this Jesus. So taking a look again at Luke chapter 2, 22 through uh, 26. When the time for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This man in Jerusalem, whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So what do we know about Simeon? Uh, well, take a look. This is an old, old guy. Probably, look, there, that, that's an old Israeli guy. Probably looked something like that on the right. This is our kind of our uh, Hollywood picture of Simeon over here. But what do we know about him? He's really old, and he's been waiting for a long time. He's righteous. I, does anyone say that about you? Unfortunately, I don't hear people go, what do you know about Bill Hartley? Oh, well, he's righteous. Wow. Can you imagine being known for your righteousness? Simeon was like that. And it also says that he was devout, which makes him really religious. He did all of the, and he lived around the Temple Mount, so he did all of the functions and participated in all of the, all of the rituals and he was very, very dedicated to those things. And, and he was an Advent guy. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He, he practiced the season of Advent all the time, longing for the Messiah to come. But the big thing about him was 
he had had this unique revelation. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, again, this is in the New Testament before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. So uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't show up that often. And this is in the book of Luke. And if you know anything about Luke, he wrote Luke and also the book of Acts. Many people say, you know, when, when Luke's writing, the Holy Spirit is the star of the books of Luke. And he talks about the Holy Spirit a lot. So way early in the Christmas story, he has the Holy Spirit communicating directly to this old Jewish man. Why would God do that? Why would God pick one man and come up to that one man and go, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Why? We don't know why. But it's an interesting question, isn't it? I think part of it is because he's going to be a part of the biblical story forever. Like he's setting this up to help us understand that this promise is being fulfilled in the Christ, so it's more affirmation that this Jesus truly is the Messiah, and also we get to see what happens when a godly man comes face to face with the Messiah. So we get to see it unfold before our very eyes. So the story continues on the next slide. He came in the Spirit, he says. He came in the Spirit. So does that make sense to you? Sometimes you're in the Spirit, sometimes you're not in the Spirit. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Don't indulge the Spirit. Sometimes you're just tracking with God. Sometimes you're not tracking so tight. This is a God day for Simeon, a spiritual high day. He is in the Spirit. So he's all prayed up. He's focused. He's, he's living the way we encourage you all to live during the season of Advent when we're waiting for the, for the coming of Christ. Be ready. Be in, on your game. Be in the spirit. So we find that he's in the spirit in the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, which always kind of startles me. I guess it's 21st century now. If I walked into a crowded place and an old man came up and grabbed my newborn infant out of my arms, I would freak out and blow a whistle and spray mace and call the police and... Um, but Simeon was probably really well known. The Jewish community came to Jerusalem rhythmically throughout the year for celebrations. So the, the, they'd come for the Passover, they'd come for the Feast of Tabernacles, and so you'd come into the Temple Mount, and there's kind of some famous Jewish people around. We're going to see Anna here in a second. My guess is that people kind of knew who Simeon was, knew that he was not a problem. He was not uh, a dangerous threat to anybody. Boy, unlike, a, unlike Jerusalem today, boy, you just couldn't do anything like this today. And, and it's, a, it's a hot spot. But here comes Simeon. He takes the child in his arms and says this, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, for glory to your people Israel. We sing that, we read that over and over again. Uh, so the first thing I want to say tonight, he has come. Now what? He has come. We have peace. We have peace. What do you think of when you think of peace? Maybe something like this. Peaceful 50s. Ah, family just kind of sitting at home. Kids can play outside. It's no problem. We have enough to eat. We'll watch a little Jack Benny on TV. You know, whatever old peace is. Some of you come from a generation where peace might bring these kind of images to your mind. 
give peace a chance. When I think about that 60s brand of peace, how come whenever I think of that brand of peace, it doesn't feel peaceful? It seems all agitated and angry. But that was those days, those peaceful days. And a little shout out to cars uh, there on the right, Fillmore. Um, Maybe the next picture, uh, oh, actually, that's the next text. Take a look at this again. Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples. What kind of peace is Simeon talking about? He's, he's living in a day where it's, it's under Roman occupation. So is he saying, now, now your servant is departing in peace because we have political peace? They certainly didn't have political peace then. Did Jesus come to bring warm, cozy peace to everybody? Sometimes you think so when you get Christmas cards that have these pretty scenes and peace on earth, goodwill to men. Ah, if, if Christmas was just like Jesus wanted it to be, we'd, it, we'd all be happy. We'd all be content. We'd all be warm and well-fed and everybody be hugging one another. Is it that kind of peace? Is it political peace? My eyes have seen your salvation. This, these old images are images of, uh, next slide, of famous artwork of Jacob wrestling God or wrestling the angel of God, a theophany, uh, a manifestation of God in physical form. Our tradition as people who believe in God and believe in the, believe in the revelation of God as it has come to us uh, through the Old Testament and ultimately the Messiah and the New Testament that God has revealed himself in this way. We come from a tradition that has us as human beings wrestling with God. We're in trouble with God. The Bible says that we have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and therefore we're at odds with God. When Simeon, and, and, and by the way, in that story, that's when Jacob is wrestling with God and they wrestle all night long and God finally kind of bangs his hip and he leaves him with a, with a bad hip for the rest of his days. But also what God does is says, you're no longer Jacob, you're Israel. Like in the, in the context of this fight with God, that's when God names his people. Like you, the people of God are the people who both contend with me and who I'm redeeming at the same time. And this is the problem with being a human being. We have this glorious God, but we have messed up. We need peace with God. We might not have peace with one another because the world has a lot of problems. And until Jesus comes and reigns, we'll always have contention in the world. And life might never be cozy like the 50s. But this we can know. We can have peace with God. That contention that we have, fighting with God, can be handled. And that's where Simeon, who was a good Jew for a long time, and what, what did the Jews do? They kept slaying goats and bulls and pigeons and paying for their sins, paying for their sins, paying for their sins. But then they'd turn around and the weight of the law would press in on them and they'd try hard to fulfill it again, but they'd blow it again so they'd have to slay more and more animals. There was always this cost for their sin that they could never pay back, therefore they never had peace with God. But Simeon saw this child and went, this is different. This isn't just another prophet who's going to tell us to try harder. This isn't just another godly man who's going to teach us some nice things. 
this is our peace. This is the peace we've been longing for. In, in the New Testament book of Acts, uh, Peter, in Acts chapter 2, stood up in front of a group of people uh, on the day of Pentecost. So this would have been a big Jewish feast, and Peter's a good Jew, and the Jews, all these inter-ethnic Jews from around the, the area were all coming into town for this feast. And Peter stands up in front of these people and says this after Jesus had died. He says, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So in the New Testament, Peter comes up before the people and goes, you have a problem with God. (laughs) Y'all crucified Jesus. And some might have pushed back and go, I I didn't do it. It was the Roman soldiers. No, 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 no. The, The point I'm making is this. We, as a race, are not only guilty of sins, but specifically guilty of crucifying Christ. So now it is really on between you and the Father. It was one thing for you to sin because of a moral code, but now you have actually put to death his son. So as a race... You need peace between you and God, which is why Peter said, well, after that, people, the people said, no. now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and Peter and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? We're not at peace with God. What shall we do? And Peter responds and says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. See, we need to have our sins forgiven because we're at odds with God. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So back up here. You're going, what does this have to do with Simeon? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins because you need peace with your God. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the very Holy Spirit that whispered in Simeon's ear, this is the Messiah. You need that Holy Spirit as well for you to be able to identify that this is the Messiah. The Bible says that without God's grace given to us, we can't even figure God out. Spiritual things need to be, uh, need to be understood by the help of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So if you get baptized, you'll receive forgiveness, peace with God. You'll receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. Then he says something very Simeon-like. For the promises for you and for children and for all who are far off, everyone to whom the Lord God calls to himself. Remember Simeon in his passage said, oh, this is a light to the Gentiles and to the people of Israel. This is this comprehensive salvation that's going to go global in Jesus. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. See, you're a part of a people that's broken and you need to be saved. How do you get saved by that? You turn to God and you are baptized. So those who received his word were baptized. Baptism takes on a lot of different shapes, and I don't know how you feel. And this is not a diatribe on baptism tonight. But uh, as, as good Lutherans, we have a strong understanding of what baptism means. Baptism is that portal in the same way that Jesus was taken up to the Temple Mount to go through a ritual that was prescribed by God's word 
And the righteous and devout Simeon was there who had also practiced rituals that are according to God's word. So too, the apostle Peter comes to us and says, you want to have peace with God? You want to be like Simeon and experience peace in this child? You need the Holy Spirit like Simeon had the Holy Spirit. How do I get the Holy Spirit? What must I do? You repent and you are baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you receive the Holy Spirit. And the word of God says, he who has the Holy Spirit has life. He does not have the Holy Spirit, does not have life. So the Holy Spirit is vital to all of this happening and we need to experience as well. Um, The peace of Simeon can be our peace if we have the Holy Spirit as well, which comes through baptism, giving ourselves to the life of the crucified one who was the baby in Simeon's arms. Just the way it all tethers together is amazing to me. Continuing in the text, Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary. Merry Christmas. I never get a Christmas card with this text on it. So the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. He has come. Now what? Now we have peace, but now we also have conflict. Simeon promises conflict in Jesus. I mean, bummer. (laughs) I mean, Mary had this incredible angelic visitor saying, your your son will be son of the most high God. And and, and Joseph had a dream too. And it was was so exciting. This is our Jesus. He's going to be Jesus. What does that mean? God saves. He's going to be the savior of the world. And up comes this old guy and says, my eyes have seen thy salvation. Then he turns and glares at Mary. Behold, this, this child is appointed for the fall of many in Israel, as well as the rising. This is good news and bad news, Mary. This is going to be trouble for many. And a sign that is opposed this child is going to be is, is going to have his, his detractors to be sure, and a sword will pierce you through your own soul also. Who says that to a mom with her baby at the Temple Mount? These are prophetic words through the gift of the Holy Spirit that Simeon has, and they are they are charged with negatives as well as positives. Do we celebrate this at Christmas? Maybe this is why we don't have a, a Simeon. On our, on our, in our Christmas decorations. Because he's like, bad news. I, th- I thought you said you have peace. Well, we do have peace. But, but what did Jesus say himself? Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. That is Jesus' quote. I have come to bring, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Wow, there's conflict built into the baby from the very beginning. The Apostle Paul said, we wrestle against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. When you become a Christian, it's, it's on. You go, well, just become a Christian and all, all conflict leaves your life. No. When you actually, when you, when you embrace the baby, you're now in the war, the spiritual war, where the heavens is fighting for you You have peace with your God and he has promised to redeem you, but you're still in the thick of the battle and the evil one is 
out to get you, and it's, it's on more than ever once you become a baptized follower of Christ. Uh, we see this in the life of Jesus. From the very beginning of his life, Herod was after him to kill him. Remember how Herod uh, had this planned infanticide where he's going to take out all of the children under two in the area of Bethlehem to make sure that this potential new king of the Jews wouldn't, wouldn't live to tell about it? And then what happened? An, uh, stay back. Uh, an angel came to them and said, go to Egypt. Remember that? Now, can you imagine being told as, a, first of all, you're a couple in Bethlehem, so you're, you're way away from your hometown of Nazareth. While you're on this road trip, an angel comes to you and says, go further south all the way to Egypt. What's, what country in the world do you dislike more than any country in the world? You don't have to say it out loud. <laughs> that would be bad. But imagine the worst place in the world you could possibly be sent to. Maybe you'd say, like, like the worst parts of China or Russia. or That's like a Jew being told to go to Egypt. This is not a holiday adventure. They're basically told by the Holy Spirit to be refugee, immigrant refugees to the worst possible country that they've known. This is Egypt that has been taking over Israel time and time again during the intertestamental period. So that, that's a problem. That is harsh reality to become, to become refugees. And then the next slide says, shows that from the time that Jesus was baptized, we think, oh, that's great. He's baptized. His ministry, it was all healing and feeding 5,000. Well, the first thing that happened is the Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It's like as soon as you're baptized, it is on. It is time to go out and walk face-to-face with the devil in the power of God, but to the glory of God because the Holy Spirit is in you and now you're, you're ready for the battle. And that battle takes Jesus all the way to the cross. And Jesus knew, always knew, that he had to be about his father's business. He knew that when he was 12 years old. He knew it all along during his life. He kept telling his apostles, you, the son of man has to go be crucified. He knew that from the very beginning of his ministry, it was all about conflict. Oh, and by the way, he also said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So again, from the time Jesus is born, we are pulled into this warfare with, Je- with Jesus. And again, that, that does not make for the, a good music box that you get it at home or whatever. Like, hey, Merry Christmas. Hey, welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the conflict. Uh, the devil's out to get you, right? You know that. Oh, really? Is that, is that what God... I thought God came to just make everything nice. That's not the truth of the gospel. So we have peace with God, but we have conflict here. So when we say, okay, God, you, you have come. We adore you. But now we've been enlisted, and it's on. We have conflict. One other point we're going to make before the night, uh, and we'll move through this one pretty quickly. Uh, next slide shows, this is uh, Anna. No, that's, uh, did you put that in there? No, that's not the Anna, the, that's the Anna from Frozen. This, this would be, probably be more like the Anna that we know in the, in the text. Or, or maybe like this middle picture here is a, kind of a famous type of looking picture. A really old lady named Anna. Uh, what, what does Anna have for us? Um, there was a prophetess. Anna, Anna, 
Anna or Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. So we're talking about 60 years a widow. It's a long time to be a widow. Uh, sometime, especially, especially here in Arizona, we have a, n- a number of winter visitors who are here. Uh, our churches are full of people who are asking that question. I- I'm old now. Is there, is there spiritual life for me? Well, Anne is the patron saint of snowbirds. She's fantastic. If our churches were full of, of uh, 84-year-old Annas, we would be in great shape. Why? She did not depart from the temple. And I'm not saying you have to hang out at church all the time. That would be loitering. That would be bad. But she did not part, depart from the temple worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. So just the fullness of her life was spent in spiritually walking with her God. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. And that's what we have in Anna. Christ has come. So now what? Now we have a voice. We have peace with God. We have conflict. But we've also been given a voice, a voice of testimony. So I'm going to pull the Apostle Paul into this. Anna is so fantastic because, again, she, she's a worshiper, fasting and praying, cultivating her spiritual life. And then when you, and that's just like pouring gasoline on the flame. Then Jesus appears and her, her whole life just explodes in thanksgiving, it says. She gave thanks to God. So thanksgiving, worship, appreciation for what God has done. But also she just started talking. She just started sharing. She started getting that gospel, getting the gospel out. So in, in Colossians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says this to, to this church. So pretend like the Apostle Paul is talking to us too. You want to be like Anna? Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. That's Advent. That's Simeon. That's Anna. They were ready. When Jesus came up, the Holy Spirit was blessing them with the capacity to receive it in its fullness because they were walking in it fully. So this is for us too. You want to reach your neighbors for Christ? Step one, continue steadfastly in, back, 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 in prayer, being watchful and thanking God soaking in the fullness of your faith now. That's so important. But then he says, now, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. Just a couple things here really quick. Outsiders, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. We're outsiders people. Jesus has come. We've seen the baby. It's a conflict out there, but we've been called to go mix it up in that conflict, not to run into some fortress and hunker down and say, well, the world's a dangerous place, and I'm a follower of Christ, so we're just going to hang out over here, and the world can just go to hell. No. What did Jesus say? Go into all the world and take the gospel. So like Anna, we need to turn in our enthusiasm about what God has done because we're thankful, we've been in prayer, we've been walking in those disciplines. Now Jesus is before us. We go, oh, I got to share it. And we go right out into the conflict and share that truth about who Jesus is. We should be involved with outsiders. And then it says, let your speech always be gracious. There's a misquoted thing. By the way, St. Francis never said this. There's this old quote that says, uh, always proclaim the gospel and when necessary, use words. 
I, I don't, it, historically, it's almost impossible to stick that on St. Francis or anybody else. But people really like that because it kind of gives them an out. Like, yeah, I'll share the gospel just by living a nice life. I don't really want to say anything. I'll just be a good example. The Apostle Paul says, let your speech be gracious. Jesus Christ said, go out into the world and proclaim gospel. We are word people. We have to share the gospel. We can't just just share a, a nicely lived life. So we go proclaim, even in the conflict. And what does that proclamation look like? It's gracious. What does that mean? The grace of God empowers it. When you share the truth about God with people, it's not just your best version. It's not just your words. The Holy Spirit that filled Simeon, the Holy Spirit that opened Anna's eyes, the Holy Spirit you received at your baptism, that Holy Spirit, the word says, gives you the words to say. He said, don't worry about it. You'll, you'll go into that conflict. You won't even know what to say, but the Holy Spirit will bless you with words to say, just like he did with Simeon on the Temple Mount. We said those strange things that were spirit-filled. It also says, make sure that it's seasoned with salt. Make sure that it's tasty and not dull. Make sure that you put a little bit of your words on someone's tongue. It makes them thirsty for more. Be salty. Be powerful, but also be flavorful. And then finally, so that you know how to answer each person, which also means we're listening. We're engaged with people. We're, we're meeting people, asking about them, getting involved in their lives. But those are dangerous people. The world is full of conflict. Yes, I know. And Jesus was crucified for boldly proclaiming truth. And he calls you to pick up your cross daily. Why do I need to pick up a cross? Because you may need it. Because you may be crucified as well for the sake of this. But this is what the coming of Jesus calls us to do. Do we have peace? Of course we have peace. We have peace with God. We have ne- this has been taken care of. That's why we come to church and we say things like, the peace of the Lord be with you. <sighs> I sure hope so. And also with you. Because that's everything. We have peace with God. But as soon as we walk out, we're in a war zone. And we have to be vocal in that war zone. That's Christmas. You go, God, that is a, this is the bummer of a Christmas message. This is what Simeon gives us. This is what Anna gives us. These are two people who have walked with God for so long. And they, upon seeing the baby realize it's time to say something. It's time to be realistic about the conflict that we're engaged in. And it's time to put on our big boy pants and live out this Christian life in boldness. Now what? We have peace. Oh, there's some, some Simeons there. Some, again, what, what, whatever your picture is of Simeon and Anna, if you want to include them, what I like about having them in my in my decorations, I, you know, I see them, I see the shepherds, they're cool, we'll talk about them next week. We see the wise men, they seem to be very cool, that's fine. But Simeon and Anna are these saintly people who kind of look at me during the Christmas season and say, you know what this means, don't you? It's the best news in the world, and it's hard. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for Epiphany, which starts next week? where we talk about the manifestation of Jesus that's going to get Jesus into all kinds of trouble, but we love him for it. Are you ready for the fullness of the Christian story? So we do have peace, we have conflict, and we have a voice. Let's spend, let, let's spend some time praying over this. I want to encourage you just for a second while you sit, pull the, bring that back up there. Uh, 
Which one of these three things? If you said, I want to I take one of these home with me, which one is it for you? Is it, God, I, I don't feel like I have peace with God. I want peace. Is it, the conflict is wearing me out, or I know I need to be in the conflict, but I'm not. Or I need to have a voice. I need to have a stronger voice. Which one of those three? If you had to pick one, because you know where I'm going with this, right? I want you to share with somebody, somebody around you. Which one of those three? For me, is it peace? Is it that conflict thing? Is it, is it sharing my voice in the conflict? Take a minute, and with at least one other person, then we'll, we're going to pray for one another about walking in the fullness of what it means that Jesus has come. So go ahead and pick one of those and say, for me, this is the one. Talk amongst yourselves.